Hey, this is the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we talk with some of the most successful engineering leaders who reveal actionable management insights that help you take your developer team to the next level. This episode is brought to you by Coding Sans, a software development agency building web applications from design to delivery with React, Node.js, and Angular. Check them out at CodingSans.com. Hi, everyone. Carolina Toad speaking, and this is the Level Up Engineering Podcast. In every episode, we talk with accomplished engineering leaders about different kinds of leadership challenges they face. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to share with you that if you sign up for the Level Up Engineering newsletter, you're going to receive new episodes two weeks prior to them being released to the rest of the world. So it's a really good deal. Click the link in the description and join our engineering leadership community. Today, my guest is Hadi Harari, VP of Developer Advocacy at JetBrains. Welcome to the show, Hadi. Hello, thanks for inviting me. It's nice to be here. Thanks for joining us. First of all, you have quite the experience in the industry. Please tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. So, yeah, I've been in the industry since, uh, I mean, depends on what you consider since. I've been programming since about 12, when I was 12 years old. And then I guess my first revenue from programming was around 13 or 14 years old. And so I've gone through software development, consulting. Many of my years have been working for tooling companies. And now I lead the developer advocacy team at JetBrains, which where we sell tools for software developers. Do you have anything to share about your side projects or hobbies? What do you do in your free time? Those over there. If you can see the guitars oh, in cool, the background. Cool. Yeah. So that's that's what I try and do in my free time. That and uh, gardening are my two passions outside of work. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Today we will talk about a topic that is dear and interesting to you, which is how to deal with the, with the overflow of communications or how to deal with the influx of information and this is a pretty broad topic and uh, it can mean different things to different people. So uh, let's begin with your definition of what might information overload be. Mine is pretty simple. Focusing specifically on the company work or your work environment, there's a lot of information that goes around. And sometimes this information can impact your work and sometimes it does not. As the company grows, and this is something that we've experienced, for example, at JetBrains, where we've gone from, I mean, when I joined, it was about 140 people, and now we're over 2,000 people. We've seen many times situations in which there's a lack of awareness of multiple parties doing similar activities or, or not being aware of each other. There is information that would have been relevant to one team or one person that somehow got missed or didn't come across so you know that ends up in a situation where you start to go in the opposite direction and share everything and then of course when you start to share everything what happens is that people start to ignore 
important things because there's too much noise. I mean, it's the exact same situation we have in our lives as well, right? There's so much noise going around that, that we end up ignoring some important pieces of information and focus on the irrelevant things. Sure. So would you say it's information overload when people regularly overlook important information that shouldn't have been overlooked? Well, I don't think that's a consequence of, I mean, I think that may be a consequence of overload. The question is, how do you find that balance of pushing just enough information? And, and there's multiple approaches, right? I mean, there's a, from one side, there's a, there's a tooling perspective that many of us always, especially software developers, always think that, hey, the solution to any problem is a tool, right? I'm sure that you're familiar with Slack yourself, right? Uh, which is which is you know a, a tool that is basically being used by many companies in the world. And one of the goals of Slack was there's so much information going on, you don't want to miss it, and here you can consolidate all of the information of your company in a central place. The reality is quite different. The reality is that there's so many chats and so many channels and so much things that are being posted and so many threads that you miss out on things that may be relevant or may impact your work. And so we keep trying to reinvent the wheel by creating new tools. And we're like, well, Slack doesn't work. Let's try Confluence. And Confluence doesn't work. Let's try this. And then, of course, as companies grow, each team, each individual, especially in companies like, for instance, at JetBrains, where we have we give folks the freedom to use whatever tool they, they see fit. You know, you end up in silos where one team is using the latest idea sharing tool and then another team is using something else. And, you know, you have Google Docs to Notion to this, to that. And you start to wonder where is all of the information and how can I find it, right? Even if you, you have shared that information. So we go into a situation where we keep focusing on how can we solve this problem with a tooling perspective by bringing in a new tool. I mean, even our own tool, like we have an equivalent of, of Slack, which is called Space, which consolidates many aspects of software development into a single tool. Even we kind of suffer from the same issues that, that Slack and other tools suffer, right? I think that we're focusing on the wrong thing. We, we, we're trying to find a tool that will help us manage information flow and communications, but we're not tackling the actual issue, which is how do we know what is the line between pushing information to people and allowing people to pull information, if that makes sense. Do you see what I mean with the push versus pull? I would imagine that, for example, when a leadership team wants to communicate of new developments within the company, then that's a pushing kind of um, information vector. And when a team is wondering what their next project might be or what their performance reviews say, that's a pull kind of... Yeah, it's, a, it's also, yeah, I mean, the way that I always refer to it is, is kind of... Ex Again, like how how is information available? Is it is it pushed to me, and so I have to be aware of that, or is it something that's just there, 
And if I need to access it, I can, right? So for example, an employee guide, for instance, is something that I would consider pull, right? It's there and I know that if I need it, I can go to it and refer to it. Whereas push is, you know, we're gonna have a all hands on meeting email that goes out to the entire company. And so the, the balance there is, how do you know what to push and what to pull? And again, the tooling doesn't really help solve that. I mean, and we can, you know, dive a little bit deeper into some of the issues around that as well, if you like. We a lot of times come to the conclusion on this show that a lot of the things are people problems, not tool problems. Sure, give us um, some of your thoughts about how to decide how much information to push and how much information to provide? Well, I mean, I think it points to something that you said, which is it's mostly a people problem. You know, when we talk about leadership and we talk about people that are in a position of management, one of the characteristics that we want to look for in managers is people that see the bigger picture, right? They don't focus exclusively on the team that they necessarily manage but how that team relates to other teams inside the company and how it relates to other products and services and so being able to kind of think outside of the box and being able to see you know not have that tunnel vision is very important and i think it's that tunnel vision not having that tunnel vision something that really contributes to then deciding what should and what shouldn't be communicated and what is going to essentially end up creating unnecessary noise for my team or for other teams and what should be made aware you know to to management or to folks on the teams or folks across teams so i don't think that it's a problem that can be solved from a tooling perspective as such right we've had you know in our case for instance with space we have a feature which is called internal blocks right big deal i mean big deal i mean it's not a it's not a big deal it's it's blocks and think of it as blocks but internally from the company and then you have blocks that are per project per team or per company right so i can subscribe now to a blog that is per my for my team or for the company or what have you right i have different subscriptions it's exactly the same way as if you look at an external blog if you remember with the RSS feeds in the old days or the tags that you used to have, right? So I can subscribe to, let's say three, but then it's not only in my hands, right? It's in the hands of the producer. So the producer, when they are publishing a blog, they have the ability to say, well, should this blog target my team or should it target the entire company? That decision that they have influences my flow of communication coming in because if they say well i want the whole company to be aware of this and then the next team says i want the whole company to be aware of this and then what you end up with even though we have the facility to target a specific group of users everyone is just targeting the entire company and then we end up in a situation where we've got you know i mean we're a 200 person company and we have maybe 15 20 internal blog posts a week and then some of those important blog posts oftentimes are missed by people. How do you define what's important? Because everybody 
seems to think in your example that their own topic or information is the most important. Precisely, that, that's the issue. So this boils down to a people problem, right? It boils down to how do I know what is important for me, for my team and for the company, right? And that's something that we're not generally trained in. Uh, when we become team leads, they're like, okay, who's the best person on the team? Who developed the best? Who was best at X, Y, Z? You were. Okay, you're now the team lead, right? And, uh, you know, in the case of developers, a lot of times that happens, right? Uh, who's the best developer? I am. Okay, so you become the team lead. Why? Well, because I'm the best developer. Other people respect me. We're not going to bring a team lead from outside. We're going to make this person a developer. And... Yes, we do offer, and I'm not saying necessarily in the case in JetBrains, but generally people, yes, they offer team lead training, etc. But certain skills aren't generally trained on. And one of them is communications and knowing what to communicate, what not to communicate. And this is where we lack. So it ends up with people that are very competent, but yet don't necessarily have that understanding of what is relevant and what isn't relevant and what should be communicated and what shouldn't be communicated uh, to, to different groups of people, right? Tooling can help. Tooling, you could even say, okay, well, you know what? Every time I want to write a blog post for the entire company, the blog is going to say, are you really sure that you want to send this to the entire company? And uh, you say yes, and it's like, no, are you really sure? And, and maybe we can plug in some artificial intelligence there and say, well, you know, based on what I'm reading of this blog post, not everyone needs to know, right? But still it requires a little bit of thinking from the producers there. I love that uh, an artificial intelligence could tell me whether or not my message is important enough to be pushed to the entire company. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, we're recording this on the, on the 2nd of December and I guess that you've seen the the recent links to the new chat by OpenAI. I don't know if you've taken a look at that, where it's a new AI from OpenAI. They've, they've created this new interface where you can just enter and say, you know, write a blog post for me to tell the importance of my product on the team. And it generates this amazing text for you. I mean, it's it's really incredible what, what, what it's capable of doing. So um, if, it, if it manages to generate that, I guess it won't be far by the time it manages to read your text and say, yeah, that's that's not really important for the company. Right. Or maybe it's just going to write the text for me. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't have to I don't have to take the criticism from a piece of software. OK, so we talked a bit about different scenarios of leaders deciding whether or not to push information to the entire team or not to. What are some scenarios that you could share with your audience where you found a good balance of, of information sharing so that we can get some good examples of, of how to do this? Some of the things that I've tried to promote across the, the teams that I manage is, is the idea of encouraging folks to share information that would affect the team and, and potentially others inside the company. So everyone's familiar with a stand-up, right? Which is that thing that you go to and you stand there bored 
until it's your turn to say something and then phase out while everyone else is saying their thing, right? And then we, we play these games to to try and avoid situations like that, which is like, well, we'll randomly select a person or we'll have people do push-ups so that the stand-ups don't last too long and come up with this ingenious ways of, you know, putting up with the pain that we've brought on ourselves. Uh, so in the teams that I mostly manage, we don't do stand-ups. And, and instead, what we do is we log information in a page. I mean, we do it through a bot on, on Slack or Space or, or what have you. But the important thing is that we try and make it very, very simple to log information. And then that information goes to a page where it says your name and then it says what you've done. And I've tried to encourage multiple times that folks should not treat this as what they've done during the week, but more as a way of things that they feel may have an impact on others, some work that they may have done that may impact others, whether it's on the team, a colleague on the, on the same team, or potentially across the company, to write those things down. And then I encourage everyone on the team to go through that once a week and read what other colleagues have done. And so, you know, when we started this practice, myself included, I was focusing a lot on what I've done, what I've done. And then through many, many iterations and over the years, we've tried to kind of fine tune that to really focus on things that may have an impact. And so, for example, on my team where, where there's developer advocacy, there's a variety of t us, uh, activities that folks do from speaking at conferences to creating content to engaging with customers, etc., and uh, even booking travel, right? So I say to folks, like, don't book travel. Don't log that you've spent half a day booking travel because that's not relevant to anyone else. So I try and encourage this idea of going and revisiting what you've written and understanding whether what you've written may or may not impact. Now, you will never know. You will never know for sure. But the only way to do it is to try and practice and, and try and see, you know, what relevant pieces of information that I talk about can impact other folks. And through that, I think that it has brought to a situation where people are getting better at that idea. Right. I agree with you completely that you may never know. I'm just thinking of scenarios where one colleague goes to a specific country and they let the other colleagues know. And when another colleague has to go to that same country, they will know who to ask for the best yeah. ticket prices or the restaurants or what have you. Yeah, but then at the, at the same time, you're probably going to forget that, right? Because if I go to Germany today and you come to me in three years and say, hey, I... I remember that you went to Germany. I'm pretty sure that you, we're not, you're not going to remember I read, you read that, right? Uh, so it also is kind of, where can I find the information? Because that's the other issue, right? That's the other issue, especially when you end up in a, in a company that has so many different types of tools to store information, is where can I find that information? And one of the worst ones, of course, is Slack, right? There's so many decisions so many conversations, so many things that happen in Slack. And then you come and say, hey, by the way, why did we do this? Oh, we discussed that in a thread in Slack. Which thread? I can't remember. Search for it. 
and then you confront the you know the daunting task of searching for something in slack which in itself is an adventure right 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 so if you think about the the differences between individual contributors in your team and for example engineering managers how can they deal with this issue of information overflow differently well i think engineering managers should have a better view and a better perspective of individuals on the team and they should be helping individuals on the team and guiding them in what should and shouldn't be shared and then making sure that the information that is shared reaches the people that it needs to reach so essentially acting in like in many roles as a mentor to try and explain to them you know that information shouldn't be necessarily shared because this is another issue if you have a stand-up or you have a way to log this information a lot of times people log information and if i'm the manager or if i'm a team lead i will look through that list of information and i will pick up some things and say okay these were good right but generally i may not go back to those individuals and say listen out of the five things that you logged three of them don't make sense they have no value. You should not really be logging these things. This is a part of it. We don't have this feedback loop at times, right? We just potentially pick up the good pieces and ignore the bad pieces. And so I think it's critical for a manager, team lead, however you want to call them, to try and pick up on these signals and give that feedback to the person and help them understand what should be or shouldn't be relevant. Because at the end of the day, your objective is to try and get people away from tunnel vision. It's not just your responsibility, right? It's not just your responsibility as a manager to not have that tunnel vision and to see a bigger picture, but you wanna try and make sure that folks on your team also have that. Even if they don't you know, move into management role, there's nothing wrong with always trying to have a, a bigger sense of, of things. So in this sense, the way of communications of an individual should be included in their feedback yes, or absolutely. in their performance. Absolutely. Because, because it's a crucial part of how they behave within the team. Absolutely. And it's not even just about communication flow or overflow. It's, it's, it's like how you communicate with your colleagues and what you communicate and when you communicate it is is crucial in any kind of team right it could it could kill a team if if it's done wrong it could demotivate and or it could be it could be you know very encouraging for the team as a whole what comes to my mind immediately and you should feel free to challenge me on this one is that many managers may not take the time or just take the effort to say, look, these two pieces of information were completely irrelevant to the rest of the team. Could you please take that feedback and think about this the next time you write for your non-stand-up log? What's your experience with that? Do engineering managers find this as relevant as we think it might be? Well, no, that, that's kind of what I was saying, that many people don't do that, right? First of all, generally, many managers and team leads struggle with giving feedback that is not positive, right? For sure. And 
many folks hide away from that because they feel that if they hide, they're a better manager. That if they say something that is criticizing in any way the work that someone has done, it may upset them, may disappoint them, may disencourage them, may demotivate them. I'm certainly not like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, people normally say to me that, Hadi, you, the problem with you is that you always say what you think. And I, and I rightly do because I think it's important. And I wish that, that folks would correct me and tell me I'm wrong when I am wrong. And so for me, it's very critical that we do that. And I think that we don't pay enough attention to the communication aspects in all forms, whether it's this type of information you're sharing isn't relevant, whether it's the place where you're sharing this information isn't relevant. I don't know if you've heard the phrase about or the saying about criticize in private and praise in public, right? Of course. Right. So there's still instances where people criticize in public. I mean, I've been guilty of it myself, right? But I haven't done it with necessarily ill intention. I mean, I haven't gone to a public channel on Slack and said, okay, I'm going to show people how badly this is done and make sure everyone sees it. Have I been guilty of it in the past? Absolutely. Do I regret it? For sure. But sometimes it's also done without, you know, malice. It's done because you you don't know who to ping or you're concerned about something or that there's no other way to fix something than than doing that. And so we've always said that. We've always said, you know, don't praise in, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't criticize in public and uh, do it in private. And yet we don't really pay that much more attention to actually the medium that we use for communicating and what we communicate at times. What came to my mind is that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. What I think is, it's funny how people talk about intentions, even though it's really the behavior that we should be addressing. But um, I, I completely agree with you. And I think it is a very important topic of discussion. Can we give some some tangible tips to our listeners as to what they might use to differentiate whether or not a piece of information is relevant to an entire team or an entire company. The way that I look at it is basically I look at the target audience of that information. And I see if, if I'm talking about my team and let's say my team is 10 people and uh, I look at a piece of information, I say, okay, this information, would it impact anyone else on the team remotely? If it does, then great, then it's valid. If it doesn't, then let's understand why this person logged this information or why they shared it. And you, you apply the same concepts across the company. It's not that difficult. Let's take Slack. And Slack, you have multiple channels. Okay, it is difficult because there's like 10 different channels that discuss the same thing sometimes. Um, but we generally seem to be able to find the right channel more or less to, to share some information. So how do we do that? We base it on, okay, who's on that channel? What is the information I'm going to share? What is the target audience? It's the same principle. It, there's nothing more there, right? So as a team lead, you would say, okay, when I look through the stand-ups, I say, is this relevant for me as a team lead? Is it? Then it stays. Is it not relevant for me, but can it impact other people on the team? 
If it does, it stays. If it doesn't, it, it it's not necessarily to be there, right? And oftentimes you end up in a situation when you discuss with the person, why did you log this? And their intention was other. Their intention was to share something else, but the form in which they've shared it isn't describing what their intent was, right? So it's also about the, the mannerism and the way you, that you communicate that. But it's, it's, I don't think it's that difficult. Really, it isn't. Right. And it sounds like we are talking about common sense, but then again... It's not common. <laughs> there, there is something that we need to talk about um, because people, people seem to overlook the fact that their whatever piece of information might not be relevant or even interesting or useful to to others. Yeah. We talked a little bit about how to pay attention. We talked about how you think engineering managers should uh, give continuous feedback about the manner their team members uh, share information. And especially when it is constructive criticism so that their team members can learn from previous mistakes, intended or not. And um, we also talked about paying attention continuously to who your intended audience is. Would you think that team members on a team are also supposed to be so on point with their attention? Do you think that it is quite possible for teams to kind of perfect this sense of communicating without much over communication? So are you asking, do I think it's their responsibility to care about this as individual contributors, right, team members? Right, 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 right. Okay, so fair question, because they're designated to do some task, for instance, and maybe they can say, well, I focus on this task and I focus on this um, aspect of, of my job. But then I ask you, is anything of the things that I talk about or we talk about here something that would enhance their not only their professional life but also their personal life or would it in any way jeopardize it because in my opinion anything that helps you become a better communicator is something that would always help you in life both your personal life and your professional life so I don't see anything wrong with asking folks to try and improve in this area because it is part of the job. I mean, every CV that you see or every other CV that you see in every open job opening position, vacancy, it's like, you know, 5, 10, 12 years of Java experience, blah, 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 other. Must have good communication skills. And then you hire people that don't necessarily have communication skills and they're like, yes, but you know what? They really did a good job on that you know, test assignment and they're a really good developer. Did you manage to speak to them? Not much, but it doesn't matter. We'll just put them in the corner and they don't have to communicate, right? It's just like, wait, but that was part of the job requirements. Then say, okay, it would be really, really beneficial. You know, it would be slightly beneficial if you could communicate with people as well. Yep. So why do we put it in the job positioning and why do we put it in the, in the vacancy if we're not going to pay attention to it? So I don't think that it's, it's, it's exactly the same as, as English. You know, like 
by and large, whether we like it or not, English is the most common used in the language in the world, right? And so I live in Spain and uh, I've worked in Spanish companies and I've worked, done consulting for Spanish companies and I've gone in there and everyone speaks Spanish, right? And I'm like, well, you know, you're, you're writing code in English and, you know, maybe you could enhance your English and, and start speaking in English. Like, no, 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 why should we? I'm like, well, hey, you shouldn't. You're in Spain, you can speak Spanish. But you don't lose anything on actually practicing your English and enhancing your English, right? And it's exactly the same conversation I used to have, you know, 40 years ago when I moved to Spain. I, I would see folks like in the Netherlands speak English fluently as kids growing up. And it would be like, why? Well, because all of their TV programs are in English with subtitles. In Spain, they were all translated. And yet here we are in Spain, many folks do not speak English, right? Now it's changed a little bit with the internet, etc. And many other countries in the world do speak English. And it's ended up being a hindrance, right? It's ended up being an impediment for many folks to be able to get a job or, or to excel in, in places outside of Spanish-speaking companies. So there's nothing wrong with it. It just adds to the, the, the qualifications that you have. I always like it when uh, I talk with people who, who come to the conclusion of communications is a very important skill set, even if it's a developer we are talking about. And in my opinion, so-called soft skills might be harder to learn than hard skills. I, I love the fact that we've ended up calling those soft skills. It's like basic human interaction are now called soft skills, right? Right. But why? Why? You know? Perhaps because it's so basic, but it's not. I used to talk to developers about like marketing and HR and how to give feedback and and how to structure whatever you want to say to the world and and stuff like that and you you touched upon this in the beginning of our conversation when you think about giving feedback you think oh it's easy I'm just gonna tell them how I feel and then it's gonna be all right but it's much harder when you're in a situation and you need to tell someone look nobody's interested in whatever you just said here and you were quite noisy pinging everyone in the channel and it doesn't sound like that big of a deal you know maybe next time they won't ping everyone i don't need to tell them and i don't want to put my relationship with that person on the line because nobody told them that they shouldn't have pinged the entire channel so it seems like these are kind of easy skills that should come with being a human, but to do them well is is what really calls for, for continuous feedback and, and educating oneself. By no means am I saying they're easy skills. Giving candid feedback to folks is extremely difficult and I've been managing people for, you know, well over 15 years. And I've realized how I've improved drastically over the years myself, right? I mean, initially, when I used to have to give bad feedback, I'll be like, 
try and look for someone else responsible for that bad feedback. You know, in the very, very early days, I would be like, well, I think you're okay, but my boss kind of isn't really happy with you, right? I, I was very, very young and, and like, you know, I'm talking about 20, 20 years ago. And I was in a very, very, very hostile environment at work. It was, it was a horrendous, it was a horrendous thing. But with practice, it becomes better. And the same thing happens with teaching people how to communicate, right? You know, it's, it's, you've got it, but you've got to focus on it. You can't just ignore it. You can't just say, well, they're a great developer or they're a great QA or they're, or they're great at marketing, which, and if they're not great at communication is a problem. But anyway, you know, you've got to, you've got to practice it, but it's not an easy skill. So would you suggest that perhaps our listeners, if they've been listening to our conversation and aren't sure whether or not whatever they are trying to share is important enough for the team to be shared with them or if one or another channel is appropriate to use for that information, how do you suggest they should go about it? Who should they contact? What, uh, what do you think is a good process here? I think they should contact someone in the company that has a better skill at this than them and see if they would help them and mentor them in helping them decide. I mean, I, I do that quite often at JetBrains. You know, when folks are, they, they ping me, we have mentor, we, we've got mentorship programs, official and unofficial, and folks ping me and say, hey, listen, do you think I should communicate this to these people, to that people? How should I communicate it, et cetera? Uh, and it, it's just, you know, if you have people in your company that seem to be good at this, reach out to them and say, listen, I need some help. I need some mentorship in, in communication. Can you help me decide? Can you help me kind of see this from all angles? I, I think that's the best way. And also just be active and pay attention to it. Be conscious of it. We kind of touched on this, but what do you think might be the drawback if someone who is however talented of, a, of an engineer doesn't really pay attention because they don't think it's, it's their job, so to say? Well, I think the drawback depends on how much that impacts the team. If, if there's someone that is, I mean, it has multiple drawbacks in many areas. If someone is not communicating properly, it has a bad vibe bad sensation across the team. If they don't want to talk, they don't want to engage in conversation. If they're not communicating the work that they're doing or what they're doing, that again can impact the efficiency of the team and what's happening, right? So that I think it depends on what level we're speaking and what type of lackings they have to see the actual impact that it would have on the team and the product and the company. Do you have a story of dealing with information overload, anything that caused a problem for you or for your team, perhaps a story of how you overcame this spectacle? I guess cause the problem is again, relative to how big of a problem. I think that one issue that we all still struggle with and, and will continue to struggle with is what I said at the beginning, right? There is if we're pushing too much information down to people, people start to ignore it. And then very relevant information gets missed. And then that has ended up in situations where, for example, you know, we've had two teams potentially 
striving for the same objective or working in parallel for the same goals and not being aware of each other. And yet that information has been shared, but they've been so overloaded with other stuff that they haven't been able to pay attention. We try and overcome it, as I said, with putting in filters and different layers of how we communicate. So for example, at JetBrains, we have strict policy of, you know, on Slack, general channel, we generally do not post any information unless it is specifically targeted to the entire company. We have another channel where you can randomly ask questions about anything and how things work. Uh, we have, uh, you know, employee guides where you can pull information. And then many teams have written forms of stand-up where they can communicate things. Uh, but even still, despite that, it's, it's still a lot of information that comes through and, and people do end up missing stuff that is important. Do you think it's possible to come to an equilibrium of like not sharing too much and also people not missing anything at one point or another? I think if you have a combination of people that are aware of this problem and are good at trying to, you know, see the vision outside of their team or outside of their department or whatever, that are good coordinators and have those folks in place along with certain policies and restrictions on what you can and or what you should or shouldn't communicate to a broader audience. I think you can try and help. I mean, you could try and approach fixing the issue, but that in itself is, is a major challenge, right? Because, and as the company grows, it becomes a, a bigger challenge. Uh, so that's why, like, you know, JetBrains, we were always known, like many other companies, to be a flat hierarchy, right? In that it was like, you know, team member, team lead, CEO, that was it. Now we have multiple layers. And it's not because of the bureaucracy. It's not because of, you know, I mean, anyone can go and talk to the CEO or to anyone in management at any time with no issues and have public discussions with no issues. But it's more about putting people in place to help manage people and also be coordinators to be able to understand the connections that the different departments need to make so that they communicate what's needed to be communicated. And this is, I think, also a very important thing that often we discard as you know unnecessary middle management or unnecessary management and and disapprove of it because we think it's bureaucracy but if it's done right it's not bureaucracy it is actually there to try and help right or it is actually there to help and uh, not just try yeah okay yeah. there is no try we right <laughs> right, Yoda, Yoda uh, said that. Yeah. We have been discussing this for quite a while. What my key takeaways are, first of all, structure is very important in the, in the sharing of information, but also in the bigger picture of the, the company and who is responsible for what. But then expectations are also very important and every individual team member, be it an individual contributor or a team lead or a manager, 
they should be self-aware and they should always aim for becoming a better communicator. And people should also continuously share feedback with each other and say, hey, great job on sharing this with the team or hey, please don't litter in the in the public channel with um, irrelevant information. I think maybe the hardest about this is that we need to pay attention to our own communications, but we also need to pay attention to other people's communications to be able to share that feedback and to improve the entire team all the time. Also, what comes with structure is that sometimes it's a pull kind of information, so you should just put it somewhere where people can access it. And other times it's a push kind of information where you are giving it to people forcefully. I wouldn't say forcefully, but but you are you are sharing it because you think it's important for them. Is there anything else that you would like to add to our conversation that you think is a word of warning or a word of advice to our yes, listeners? Yes, don't think that tooling is going to solve your problem. You need to focus on the people. Yes, people over processes. And, and that comes from a guy that works at a tooling company. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for this uh, conversation, Hadi. If our listeners would be interested in following your work, where could they find you on the internet? On Twitter, I'm H Hariri, H-H-A-R-I-R-I. From there, they can find my site and uh, my email and everything. Awesome. Thank you for joining the Level Up Engineering Podcast. Dearest listeners and watchers, today my guest was Hadi Hariri, who is a VP of Developer Advocacy at JetBrains. And we had quite a conversation about the overflow of communications and how to deal with the problems that it might cause and how to become better communicators. If you are interested in learning more about the Level Up Engineering Podcast, find us everywhere on the internet, on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. Hadi, thank you so much for coming to join the show. Thank you. And I am Karolina Tot. I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with Level Up Engineering. If you enjoyed this podcast, so will your friends. Share this episode on your favorite social networking platform. To stay up to date with our content, follow Level Up Engineering on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast. Brought to you by Coding Sans, a software development agency building web applications with Angular and Node.js. Check them out at codingsans.com. <laughs>